Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, and welcome back. This is going to be for Matthew chapter 3 and part of Mark chapter 1 down to verse 11 or so, and then also Luke 3. And this is going to be about the, the baptism of Jesus. So I'm going to be using all three of those chapters as our text for now. So let's get into this. Uh, verse 1 in Matthew 3, And in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. He was the herald of the Messianic age, the messenger, the forerunner, and Elias, who began the great restoration in the meridian of time, and on whose secure foundation the Son of Man himself built the eternal gospel structure. In Luke it mentions, now in the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberias, Caesar Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, and Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetrarch of Iturea, and of the region of Traconitus and Lysanias, the tetrarch of Abilene, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priests. Now in this same year, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And then back to Matthew, it says uh, what John is is preaching then. It says in verse 2, And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The Greek word denotes a change of heart or mind, i.e. a conversion. And in the Greek, instead of the kingdom is at hand, it says in Greek, the kingdom has come. The kingdom of God was set up on earth, on the earth even in the days of John. And, he came, and then back over to Luke chapter 3, verse 3, it says, And he came into the country, or he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And then in Mark chapter 1, we read, At the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Then back to Matthew 3, For for I am he who was spoken of by the prophet Esaias, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his paths straight. This is also a call to us today to be morally straight. We need repentance today. The mission of John was to get a people ready for the promised coming of the Messiah who would bring the gift of the Holy Ghost and thus spiritual rebirth. His preaching was to awaken the people to have sufficient faith to repent, be baptized, and accept Jesus as the Christ along with his his baptism of fire. And that's the same mission that we have today. In Mark, in Mark uh, verse 3, it says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then back to um, Luke chapter 3, the jo- Joseph Smith translation says in verse 4, As it is written in the book of the prophet Esaias, and these are the words, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make his path straight. For behold, and lo, he shall come, as it is written in the book of the prophets, to take away the sins of the world, and to bring salvation unto all the heathen nations, to gather together those who are lost, who are of the sheepfold of Israel. 
Yea, even the dispersed and afflicted, and also to prepare the way and make possible the preaching of the gospel unto the Gentiles, and to be a light unto all who sit in darkness unto the uttermost parts of the earth, to bring to pass the resurrection from the dead, and to ascend up on high, to dwell on the right hand of the Father, until the fullness of time, and the law and the testimony shall be sealed, and the keys of the kingdom shall be delivered up again unto the Father. That'll probably happen at the meeting at Adam on Diamond. To administer justice unto all, to come down in judgment upon all, and to convince all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds which they have committed, and all this in the day that he shall come. For it is a day of power, yea, every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That sounds a lot like the second coming, doesn't it? Back over to Matthew, verse 4. The same John had his raiment, or garment, of camel's hair, and a leathern girdle about his loins. He's wearing clothes that are similar to Elijah. This was the clothing that the people recognized as the clothing of a prophet. He probably wore it to attract as much attention as possible. That's by Elder McConkie and the mortal Messiah. And his meat was locusts and wild honey. The Greek word used in the text refers to the insect. Ew. That doesn't sound very appetizing, does it? And then uh, back, uh, let me read a couple things here. Uh, Elder McConkie says that he was married, had children, and lived as normal a life as his ministerial assignments permitted, we cannot doubt. He being married and having children, there may be literal descendants of Aaron and John the Baptist on earth today. If John was married and his children, what about Jesus? Wouldn't he also have been married and had children? Verse 5 of Matthew, back again, says, Then went out to him... Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan. And many were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. And then back to Mark, verse 4. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem. And many were baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Then back to Matthew uh, again, verse 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? In other words, who warns the snakes and other vermin of the fire used by farmers to clear his field after the harvest? No one does. So who warned the Pharisees and Sadducees of the fire that will come in the future that will cleanse the earth? And why are they coming to John's baptism? They have not repented or changed their view of the law of Moses or the coming of the Messiah. Therefore, John declared that in order to avoid the future cleansing of this earth, they must bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. Baptism would be to no, of no avail to those who had not come in the spirit of repentance, which was the case with these people. Uh, and then back over to Luke, uh, verse 7, he says, Then John said to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him, crying against them with a loud voice, saying, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Uh, back to Matthew, verse 8, the Joseph Smith, Why is it that ye receive not the preaching of him whom God hath sent? If ye receive not this in your hearts, ye receive not me. And if ye receive not me, ye receive not him of whom I am sent to bear record. And for your sins ye have no cloak. Repent, therefore, and bring forth fruits meet for repentance. He says uh, in talking about ye have no cloak, he's talking about that the atonement could cover them if they would just repent. John is saying three things. He was the Elias to prepare the people to receive Jesus who was coming. Those who reject the servants of the Lord will not accept the Lord himself when he comes, and the atonement of Christ cannot cover the sins of those who do not accept him. The atonement acts as a cover or cloak that conceals our sins from the justice of God. Those who reject the Savior will have nowhere to hide, nothing to cover them in the day of judgment, as they cry out to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills cover us. 
Back to Matthew, verse 9, And think not to say within yourselves, We are the children of Abraham, and we only have power to bring seed unto our father Abraham. For I say unto you that God is able to, to of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. It, into Abraham means to be adopted. All who accept Christ will be adopted into the Abrahamic covenants and into the kingdom of the Lord. This opens the gospel net to the four corners of the earth. John's forceful assertion that God would could raise up from the stones of the riverbank children to Abraham meant to those who heard that even the lowest of the of the human family might be preferred before themselves unless they repented and reformed. But John's stinging rebuke was that of these stony Gentiles, these dogs, these lowest of all creatures in the Jewish mind. God is able to raise up children unto Abraham. Our Lord's forerunner is teaching the principle of adoption that Abraham is the father of all them that believe, both Jew and Gentile, that through belief in Christ, all men become Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Remember that uh, President Nelson in conference uh, October of 2020 mentioned that uh, those that are of Israel are those that let God prevail. And so we can become of the house of Israel just by letting God prevail, by being baptized into his church and by um, receiving the covenants that he's, he's instituted. And back over to Luke, uh, it says in verse 8, Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance, and bring not, and begin not to say within yourselves, Abraham is our father. We have kept the commandments of God, and none can inherit the promise but the children of Abraham. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So again, uh, the, the Gentiles will come first there. Uh, back to Matthew, verse 10, And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is, uh, shall be hewn down and cast into the fire. And then back over to Luke, uh, verse 10, And the people asked him, saying, What shall we do then? He answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none, and he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed unto you, for it is well known unto you, Theophilus, that after the manner of the Jews, and according to the custom of their law, and receiving money into the treasury, that out of the abundance which was received, was appointed unto the poor every man his portion. And after this manner did the publicans also. Wherefore John said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, What shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. And as the people were in expectation, and all men mused in their hearts of John, whether he were, whether he were the Christ or not. So you can hear, you can see some of the things that he's preaching here that are similar to what Jesus will preach later on. Back over to Matthew verse eleven, I indeed baptize you with water upon your repentance. And when he who of whom I bear record cometh, who is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, or whose place I am not able to fill, as I said, I indeed baptize you before he cometh, that when he cometh, he may baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. The Aaronic priesthood performs the outward ordinance of baptism, but it takes the Melchizedek priesthood to bring the inward and spiritual chains by which sin and evil are burned out of a, a human soul by, as though by fire. Uh, and that was uh, Bruce R. McConkie. So uh, John the Baptist is not exercising here the, the Melchizedek priesthood. He's exercising his authority under the Aaronic priesthood to baptize, but he can't bestow the gift of the Holy Ghost because that's not his mission. 
So in Matthew verse 12, and it is he of whom I shall bear record, whose fan shall be in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner or storehouse. That's another uh, similarity or metaphor there for temple. But in the fullness of his own time will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Thus came John preaching and baptizing in the river Jordan, bearing record that he who was coming after him had power to baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. And then back over into Luke, verse 17, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with the fire unquenchable. And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. But Herod, the tetrarch, being reproved by him for Herodias, his, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. So this is mentioning John being in prison, but that doesn't happen for a while uh, in the narrative. So... Let's go back to Matthew, verse 13. And then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan. Now, this is about an 80 or 90 mile uh, hike from Galilee down to where John is, unto John to be baptized of him. This may have been near the part of the river where Israel crossed on dry ground. I think I said that already. And it came to, in Luke, it says in verse 9, It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. Uh, Matthew verse 14, but John refused him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and why comest thou to me? He knew that Jesus was sinless, but not that he was the Son of God. And that's by Talmage. Verse 15, and Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer me to be baptized of thee, for thus it becometh us to fulfill righteous, all righteousness. Jesus was baptized uh, at a spot more than a thousand feet below sea level, the lowest spot on earth where anyone could be baptized in fresh water. He not only descended to our condition, he descended quite literally below all things. And that was uh, out of the book called Verse by Verse by Skinner and uh, Ogden. Doing something fitting or proper. When he says uh, it becometh us uh, is fitting for us, doing something fitting or proper and right also carries the connotation of beauty. This means doing things completely, accomplishing acts to their greatest capacity. Uh, he would obey all his Father's commandments. We should also do likewise. It is fitting and beautiful to the Father when we follow every commandment and counsel in its fullest sense. Continuing the verse, Then he suffered him, and John went down into the water and baptized him. Nephi tells us why Jesus was baptized. Um, First of all, he humbled himself before the Father. Second, he covenanted to be obedient and keep the Father's commandments. Three, he had to be baptized to gain admission to the celestial kingdom. And four, he set an example for all men to follow. In 2 Nephi 31 we read, Wherefore, I would that ye should remember that I have spoken unto you concerning that prophet which the Lord showed unto me, that should baptize the Lamb of God, which should take away the sins of the world. And now if the Lamb of God, he being holy, should have need to be baptized by water to fulfill all righteousness, oh then how much more need have we, being unholy, to be baptized even by water? And now I would ask of you, my beloved brethren, wherein the Lamb of God did fulfill all righteousness by being in being baptized by water. Know ye not that he was holy? But notwithstanding he being holy, he showeth unto the children of men that according to the flesh he humbleth himself before the Father and witnesseth unto the Father that he would be obedient unto him in keeping his commandments. Wherefore, after he was baptized with water, the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove. And again it showeth unto the children of men the straightness of the path, and the narrowness of the gate by which they should enter, he having set the example before them. And he said unto the children of men, Follow thou me, wherefore, my beloved brethren, can we follow Jesus, save we shall be willing to keep the commandments of the Father? And the Father said, Repent ye, repent ye, and be baptized in the name of my beloved son. 
To fulfill all righteousness is to perform every ordinance, keep every commandment, and do every act necessary to the attainment of eternal life. Elder Neal A. Maxwell said, Why do we need outward ordinances anyway? God surely knows our inner thoughts and feelings, our hearts, minds, and intentions, and can judge us perfectly, so why not judge us without reference to any outward ordinances? After all, some in the world regard themselves as Christians but disdain all ordinances at all. Ordinances, in fact, are required for several vital reasons. It To begin with, ordinances show our visible outward obedience to the Lord and His plan of salvation. So back to Matthew, verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized by immersion, went up straightway out of the water, and John saw, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Jesus. The prophet Joseph Smith said that John led the Son of God into the waters of baptism and had the privilege of beholding the Holy Ghost descend in the form of a dove, or rather in the sign of the dove, in witness of that administration. The sign of the dove was instituted before the creation of the world, a witness for the Holy Ghost, and the devil cannot come in the sign of a dove. The Holy Ghost is a personage and is in the form of a personage. It does not confine itself to the form of a dove, but in sign of the dove. The Holy Ghost cannot be transformed into a dove, but the sign of the dove was given to John to signify the truth of the deed, as the dove is an emblem or token of truth and innocence. Elder McConkie said, It thus appears that John witnessed the sign of the dove that he saw the Holy Ghost descend in bodily shape of the personage that he is, and that the descent was like a dove. Okay, Matthew uh, verse 17, and, he, and lo, he heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Fortified by the Holy Ghost, we may face our trials and temptations knowing we are not alone. This also shows that the Godhead consists of three distinct beings. The voice of the Father has been heard on very rare occasions on the Mount of Transfiguration in announcing his son to the Nephites and in presenting his son to Joseph Smith and here at Jesus' baptism. So anyway, that's the end of the chapter that we'll read today and uh, come back tomorrow for some more exciting information about the New Testament. See you then. Bye.